0: Yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now, now, now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. the questions I ask myself when I question table fam. How are we feeling tonight? Come on. Hey, I've not had a chance to meet you. My name is Isaac. I'm a young adult pastor here at First Orlando and part of our leadership team here at the table. Man, if you've been hanging out with us at all any of the last four or five weeks, you know that we've been in a series uh, called Help. Um, and in this series, we've looked at, uh, we've said, hey, there's some needs that we have as young adults. And we've gone through each week. The first week kind of set it up, um, but also talked through the various needs that we have as young adults and how can we get help and the needs um, that we have. But to set us up um, our time together today, if you have a Bible, is going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, it'll come up in a little bit on your screen here, but going into my senior year of college, going into my senior year, so that summer, summer before my senior year of college, um, I worked at a Christian camp. I mean, I worked as a videographer um, at at a Christian camp, and whenever I started the summer, I started, I was in a relationship when I started the summer, um, as well as I was trying to figure out what to do um, after I graduated my senior year and hopefully find a job. So I'm there at camp, right? It's like week one, I'm having a great time, week two, having a great time week three and get a text message. Hey, can we talk? I'm like, oh no. (laughs) Oh no. Right. And you know, you know where this is going. Right. So then I'm like, okay. And the, the, the dreaded phone call, I'm there at camp. Um, you know, and she was like, Hey, so, um, I just have to be honest with you. I lost interest. And I'm like, that is like the coldest, but honestly kind of respected the honesty. Right. Like I had to like respect respect. Hey, I just lost interest. I was like, man, wow, thank you for not dragging it on. Sheesh, right? But then I'm like, okay, so now I no longer am in a relationship, right? As well as when I was there at the camp, um, one of the one of the people there that was attending the camp was this pastor um, at a church, and I was like, I wanted to work for a church and I wanted to use my video degree, and I met him at the camp, and he was like, hey, man, you should you should come work at my church. You should apply to work at my church. I'm like, okay, great, this is fantastic. So while I'm still there at camp, you know, I'm applying for the job, I'm finishing up my resume. I send it in. Like a week later, he himself goes, hey, man, I looked over your resume. I just don't think it's going to work out. And I'm like, oh, my! like what? So look uh, for me, then I'm entering my school year of my senior year of college, and I'm asking, man, what's next for me? What's next? Because I thought, man, this relationship, I was hoping it was going to work out. You know, this job, I was hoping it was going to work out. And then it didn't work out, either of them, right? Now I'm feeling rejection, right? But and then I'm asking, but even pressing through the rejection that I feel, I'm thinking, man, like, what's next? Right? And I think to some extent, well, for me, it wasn't just then, like for a lot of my life after that, and still to this day, this is a question that I frequently ask what's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? Right? And I think to some extent, We are all asking this question when we think about our lives of what's next for some of us, we're in college, right, and we're trying to figure out what's next when it comes to our major, when it comes to the job after. Some of us are in relationships, or we're not in a relationship, right, and we're asking, or we are in a relationship, right, and we're trying to ask, well, like, do I want to be in this? I don't know, right, what's next after that? Um, you know, so for some of us, it's, it's money, and we're trying to figure out how can I how can I save. For some of us, you know, like, rent has, like, increased by, like, I don't know, 400,000 percent, and we're like, man, can I, can I buy something? I don't want to, I don't know if I can keep affording renting. Is that's what's next for me, right? So we're just keep asking what's next. And the reason we're asking what's next, if we're to be honest, is because we think that there is more happiness to be found in what's next. Mm, Right? Come on. Right? Because it's like, it's not that we like hate where we are right now necessarily, but we just think of where we are and then we compare ourselves to where we could be And then we see that gap, and now we weren't unhappy with where we are, but now we're unhappy with where we are, because it's not where we want to be. It's not what's next, right? Because we think that happiness is found in the next thing, and we're not very happy with where we are right now. So here's the question we're answering today, is how do we navigate from where we are to where we want to be? And really, like the sub-question, the real question that we're asking is where are we going to find happiness? So the question, um, the what we're looking at in First Peter chapter one, um, the Apostle Peter he writes this. He writes, "In this you." Rejoice! Oh, here's this word. Here's this word, happiness, right? So in your Bibles, you'll see this word, rejoice. In this word, rejoice, it, it, sometimes in, in your Bible, it's used the word happiness. Sometimes the word joy gets used. Sometimes the word contentment gets used. Sometimes the word satisfaction gets used. Um, you may have heard it said, right, if you grew up in church, like joy and happiness is not the same thing. And actually it kind of is. Uh, if you just really look at the, the, the actual like Greek words, they get used fairly simultaneously, not always exactly, but fairly simultaneously. So just for this, if you disagree with me, we can talk after. But for the sake of the conversation, moving this forward, um, I'm just going to use happiness, rejoicing, joy, contentment, satisfaction fairly interchangeably throughout the duration of this message. That's my PSA for this. Okay. So he says, but in this you rejoice. So what is he talking about? What can we rejoice in? Well, we look a few verses earlier, and he says this um, in verse three, where he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope from the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I don't know. I read that and I'm like, that's a pretty cool thing to rejoice at. Wouldn't you agree if you're a Christian? Right? We read this, right, and we're like, okay, here we go. Here's, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. Okay, I'm in. Yep, get the mercy from God. Cool. Um, he caused us to be born again. right? For those of us that are Christians, here we believe that we were dead. We were absolutely dead. But Jesus comes in, and Jesus gives us new life so that we can be born again. And why is this all possible? Because we have this hope. Why do we have hope? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we have no hope. But because Jesus rose from the dead, now we have hope, right? And now, like, this is what we get get really excited about. This is where our joy comes from. This is where we get to rejoice. And here are the implications. Let's look at verse 4. Here are the implications of this. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, verse 5, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. This is really cool. This is really good news, y'all. This is the gospel. This is the good news that we believe as Christians for those of us that put our faith in Jesus, right? We'll go back to look at, um, then go to verse 6 where he's saying, hey, in this. This is the thing that we're rejoicing in, is that we have an inheritance in Jesus because he rose from the dead. That is where our hope is in. So we know how the story ends, is that we get to see Jesus face to face. So we know that no matter what happens, we get to see and experience Jesus. So here's the first thing I want us to notice, is that experiencing Jesus forever makes us happy. Come on, am am I right? Come on. Experiencing Jesus forever makes us happy, right? Come on, y'all. This is the good news. Come on. Let's go. Do do y'all believe this? Y'all... Like we have to, this is our foundation of our happiness. This is the foundation of our joy. This is the foundation of who we are as Christians, right? Experiencing Jesus forever. That thought, that belief, that faith is going to make us happy because we're asking, right? Here's what we're asking. We're asking, hey, I think the next thing's going to make me happy, right? With varying degrees of success because then we get to the next thing and you're like, man, Maybe this didn't make me as happy as I thought it was going to be. Okay, okay, but, th- but it's the next thing, right? It's the next thing that's going to make me happy. Okay, and then we get there, right? Eventually, that's going to be true because the 1,000th next thing in your life, if you're a Christian, is seeing Jesus face to face. And when you see Jesus face to face, that thought of what our lives are going to end, and not even end, sorry, let me say, the beginning of the rest of our lives for eternity, it's just getting to be with Jesus. And that is truly what makes us happy and how we can orient our lives and see, and we can orient our lives right now. Experiencing Jesus forever makes us happy. But here's what I know to be what we're feeling here in this room, right? For some of us, it's like, Isaac, I'm so unhappy I can't even clap at that right now. <laughs> Isaac, the things that I'm going on right now in my life, I hear you. You know, I, I, I know, look, I, okay, deep down, okay, deep down, you know, I've been Christian, I've been baptized, I know, I know, I believe that. Deep down, I know that's true. That is not how I'm feeling right now. That's not how I'm feeling today. That's not how I've been feeling this past year. That's not how I've been feeling the past week, right? Man, Isaac, if you were to no, know in my car just now, you know what it took for me to even come tonight? You know what? I had to like, just like get myself up to go. I am not feeling it right now, right? So we don't even think, we're asking, is it even possible to be like, yeah, maybe that day. When I die, Jesus comes back, whatever. Yeah, sure, I'll be happy on that day. But man, this is, do you know what I've been going through? I'm not feeling it right now. Is it even possible to be happy right now? Because I don't always feel happy and I definitely don't feel it right now. So this is where he continues, where he says, in this, we just talked about that, in this you rejoice. Though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. And this is why we don't feel happy. It's because for many of us here in this room, and if you haven't experienced it, you will experience it, right? And I guarantee you, somebody next to you is experiencing it right now, is trials, So what are trials? Another way to say trials is kind of a Christian word. You don't really hear that too often outside of Christian circles. But we can kind of understand what it means. Maybe another way you can think about it is a hard time, right? You're just going through a hard time. You're just really going through it. Man, I just like going through some stuff right now. I'm just going through a hard time. And here's what it says is that we have been grieved by various trials, meaning, hey, there's all types of trials. There's all types of hard times that we go through, right? Some of them are incredibly big. Some of them are smaller, right? Some are just slightly inconvenient annoyances. Some are, like, absolutely devastating, right? Some um, are completely unexpected. Some we can see coming. Some, like, let's be honest. We kind of put ourselves in that situation. Can we just be honest for a little bit? It was kind kind of our fault. Some of us, it is not our fault whatsoever. Somebody just went out of their way to harm us. And these are the trials that we experience of all kinds. And here's what it says, though. Though now for a little while. So as you think of your life in eternity, right, for the next, I don't know, infinity years of your life, right, kind of where you are now, it's kind of where your life is going. um, Though now for a little while. So he's saying, hey, it's just for a little while. These trials that we're experiencing, yeah, they're really terrible right now. Yes, that's true. They're really terrible. But it's only for a little while. Uh, so um, did you, I played basketball when I was in high school, and I remember in basketball one of the things that we would have to do was wall sits. Have you ever done a wall sit? Okay. A wall sit is almost like where you, um, you have to like sit like this. I don't even know if I can do it now. So probably now it's probably not safe for me to do this right now. Okay. So you can kind of sit like this. Uh, so even now, like one, two, three, wait for my legs to start shaking, four, <laughs> five, six. Okay. I'm done. That hurt. Okay. So whenever like, counting five seconds of wall sits, oh, my gosh, that's an eternity. Like, that takes so long. But imagine actually, like, playing a basketball game, you know, 30 seconds of a basketball game goes by like that, just like going in for a layup or going cross court, right? Or, you know, so, like, in, in, with perspective, right, we think of eternity as we think through our trials, it's almost like, excuse me, um, it's almost like 30 seconds of a wall sit. Like, yeah, it's really painful, but it's only temporary, it's really short. So whenever we think of our lives through the lens of eternity, the trials that we're experiencing, it's now, it's true, but it's for a little while. But here's what it does. Here's what it does. You have been, and here's the word, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have, what's this word? Can somebody tell me this word? Grieved. Sheesh. Come on, we feel that. Here's another word we can use. Sorrow as we think through the trials, as we think through the problems, as we think through the hardships of our life, we feel grief and we feel sorrow, right? Because some of us, you know, I don't have to explain this to you. You could, there could be story after story after story after story after story and fill up hours tonight just around the grief that we're collectively experiencing right now. and Not even collectively, the grief that you may be experiencing right now because of the sorrow and grief that, because of the trials that you've experienced, right? And this is why feeling happy is not easy because of what we're actually going through, what we, what we know we're going to go through tomorrow, what we know work is like, what we know our relationships with like, what we know our family relationship is like, what we know the things that we've just come from that we're still trying to heal from, some of the brokenness that we're experiencing, right? But here's what it says. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So here are the two things that it holds in tension together, and here's the second notice. Is that simultaneously, at the same time, simultaneously, we experience joy and grief. We experience joy and grief, happiness and sorrow. It's almost like a paradox or or tension, right? And I want us to notice in the text the grief that we experience, the sorrow, the heartache, the brokenness that we experience, it is not minimized. It's not saying, hey, ignore that. It's not saying, hey, don't pay attention to that. Hey, hey, whatever you're you're feeling bad, that doesn't matter. You know, just claim victory in Jesus. You know, you don't have to, you can ignore everything that you're feeling with sadness, with anger, with frustration. It's not saying that. Here's what it's saying. Hey, it's real that you're experiencing grief. It is real. However, we also rejoice, right? Because here's what our hearts are capable of. Our human hearts, the way that we're wired, the way that God has wired us, is that it's possible for us to experience, it's possible for a human heart at the same time to experience both rejoicing and grief at the same time. Because we have to think through the two lenses of our lives. Like, yes, now we're experiencing grief, but we're also, in the grand scheme, in the big picture of our life, we can rejoice, right? So maybe a good way to illustrate this is, have you ever had, or for me, I've had um, a, multi- on multiple occasions with lots of different people, I have, like, dear, dear, dear friends of mine. Dear friends of mine. And then we're living in the same town, and we're living life together, and then what happens sometimes with really, really good friends or even family members, what happens? Sometimes they move away whenever they move away, um, then that's whenever you're like, oh, man, but it's like a really cool opportunity, and that's why they're moving there. Like, I'm so happy for them. I'm so excited for them, right? And I can experience joy, but also, like, I can be honest. I'm a little sad, and that's okay. It's okay to feel bittersweet about things. It's okay to experience both joy and sadness. Now, you crank that up by, I don't know, I don't know, like a million, right? And then that's the reality of our lives because it's not just like, oh, I'm cool for my friend's opportunity in the next town. No, no, no. I'm grateful that Jesus Christ died for my sins and rose again and resurrected so I can have an eternity with him. It's a very different level of joy. It's such a greater joy in that sense, right? And at the same time, though, we experience the problems that we experience and we experience the grief and the sorrow because the trials that we experience. And here's the big idea. Here's the big idea for tonight. You can experience happiness now, even though now may be a trial. You can experience happiness now, even though now may be a trial, right? For many of us, we're asking, what's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? Because we think that it's in what's next is going to make us happy, because now is the trial that we're experiencing, or the dissatisfaction that we're experiencing, or the lack of whatever we want that we don't have right now that we're experiencing. And we can experience happiness now, even though now may be a trial. Now, if you're smart, and I know many of us are, uh, all of us are, all of us, many of us, all of us, yeah, all of us, I'll go with all of us, okay. If you're smart, all of us are, Uh, but why trials? Like why, why, like, why is, like, the most painful thing on the planet trials the way to cultivate happiness? It seems like a, like they shouldn't go together. It doesn't seem like pain and heartache and grief and sorrow. That doesn't seem the pathway to happiness. I don't know. It seems like those are, like, different things. Why can't, like, good things in life produce happiness, right? Why does it have to be, all, why does it have to be the bad things in life that's producing the happiness? Why? Because it says here in verse 6 where he said—we're good. Yeah, verse 6 where he says— um, what's verse 7? One, one verse earlier he says, um, uh, if necessary. Right? And you're thinking through that word, if necessary, and you're like, yeah, I vote. That's not necessary. <laughs> Like, I don't, I don't need, like, I I don't need, that's not necessary at all. The trial that I'm experiencing is not necessary at all when it comes to my life. I don't need it, right? God, we're good. I'm good. No, no, no. No, hold the trial off. I'm good. I'm good. But for whatever reason, and this is where I don't, I'm backing off a little bit of like, I don't fully know why things happen the way they do. I don't. Ultimately, God does, and that's what we have to trust, is that God, things happen, and we don't know why, but things happen. And some, some of the ways that God works, right, is because he deems it necessary for us to enter into um, a trial. But why? Why? Why does God deem it necessary? And that's where we look at verse 7. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So here's why. Here's a picture. You all know what this is? Here's a molten gold. I heard it right here. It is molten gold. That's gold, y'all. At least that's what a Google Images told me. If it's not, I don't know. But let's <laughs> let's just assume that it's gold. Okay? Let's assume that it's gold. So here, here's what here, Peter's talking about. This gold, it's being like it's already like it's already gold. Right? So like it doesn't change its status of gold, but this gold level has varying levels of impurities. So gold has to go through a process where it's like heated up and like trial by fire, right? To where the impurities there becomes it becomes a better, cleaner, a uh, purer version of this gold. And that's the process that gold enters into. And this is the metaphor that Peter gives us about our faith, about our lives. Is that it's a trial by fire, like gold being refined in the fire, as well as, here's what Peter's doing, he's redefining what our gold actually is. Because for many of us, we think the gold is the next thing that we want. Right? We think the gold is in the next relationship that we can have. We think the gold is in the next job that we can have. We think the gold, and by gold I mean the thing that we are aiming and striving our lives after, we think that's where we're going to find happiness is in the gold. And here's what um, Peter says the gold is actually in. The gold is actually in our faith. The gold is actually, and I've experienced this, right? Some of you know me, uh, know me for years now. Some, you know, we're just getting to know each other. But here's the reality of my life. Um, I've gone through more life change in the last two years than I think anybody that I know. By that I mean I've hit every, like, life milestone that I wanted to hit in life in a really, really short amount of time. And I've been having like, process that and thinking, because similarly to, to many of you and even me, myself here, I'm imperfect, right? I'm thinking, man, it's the next thing is where I'm really going to be happier, right? So then, you know, get um, engaged, get married, right? And it was, it's absolutely incredible, and I love my wife, right? And then I got a job promotion, and then I got a house, and then we had a kid. all oh, less than two years. And I'm experiencing this. It's like, man, this, these things in life are really incredible. Like, these are really good things in life, but I have to be honest. The gold is in faith, is in Jesus Christ alone. And putting my happiness in these things that I want and these things that I thought were going to be the next thing leaves me dissatisfied, right? Even though each one of those things is absolutely incredible. It's my, my faith in Jesus Christ alone. See, and this is why trials come into the picture, because whenever we bottom out, when we hit a trial, it helps reorient us to what's actually true. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody or met somebody um, that has really just like had this like a major catastrophic, almost like a near-death um, experience, and whenever you have that happen, everything in life just gets like reoriented, it, because there's like this like built, especially for Christians, like this like built-in thing that trials do that refine our faith, that point us to like what's actually good and what's actually true, Right? So there's, there, with trials, our faith is refined, and our faith is proved to be genuine, right? So people that, man, I mean, can I be honest? I don't know if I, like, um, uh, put a lot of stock in people that haven't gone through stuff. If somebody's had a really cozy life, I'm like, man, I don't know if I have to, I don't know if I, have to, I, don't know if I can listen to a lot of what you have to say. Because their lives have been easy. They haven't been put through the fire, right? But for so many of us, y'all, Orlando, for whatever reason, Orlando, um, like in the beauty and the brokenness and a lot of brokenness and a lot of brokenness, and can I emphasize this even more, in Orlando, y'all, there is a lot of brokenness. Y'all agree with me? Man, but in that God's healing and God's redeeming, but I also know, man, we've gone through some stuff, haven't we? We've had to experience some stuff. We've had to experience family stuff. We've had to experience health stuff. We've had to experience things in life. And through that, part of the healing and the redemptive nature of Jesus is God uses those situations, these trials that we go through to help define our faith. And sometimes people don't make it through. And that's why a lot of people, maybe you grew up in church, right? And maybe you grew up with somebody that also grew up in church, and now you're here and they're not. Even though earlier on you said you had the same faith, but now you realize that you, know, you don't actually have the same faith, here's, here's what happened. You went through a trial, and your faith was proved to be genuine. And God, there's hope, God is still working on your friend. But your faith has proved to be genuine. There's, there's two hinge moments every Christian experiences, right? There's two hinge moments for every Christian, right? Especially if you're a new Christian. Let me help you out and give you a little cheat sheet. The first hinge moment, like the first fork in the road that you experience as a Christian is, can I hear from God? And do I hear from God? Okay, so once we experience that, okay, I think I'm hearing from God. Because whenever you're a new Christian, it's like, man, is God, like, is he the butterfly that just landed on the table? Like, is that God speaking to me? I oh, mean, is God, like the, the, the flag that's just flapping in the wind? Like, man, I saw, I went to a Mexican restaurant. I saw a Mexican flag. I think it's God's calling me to Mexico. Right, and that's some like, is that, is that how God speaks? And just as a new Christian, we just really try to figure out, like, how is God speaking to us? How am I hearing from God? Does he use the Bible, like, flipping it open, right? And we're like, okay, um, I think I need to move to Samaria. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, so, like, we're trying to, that's one of the first things you navigate as a new Christian is just trying to figure out, how do I hear from God? How does God speak to me, right? Through people, through the Bible, through just observing my life. Like, how does God speak? And But here's the second hinge moment. And you know after you've been a little Christian for a while. Because when you're first a Christian, it's really exciting. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. Come on. Yeah, it is. So you're, when you're a new Christian, it's really exciting. And then, some, and then what happens? You hit your first trial. Not that you've never gone through a trial before, but you've hit your first trial as a Christian. And it's very different. Because when you hit your first trial as a Christian, you're like, man, I saw it. I didn't know Christians went through trials. I thought that was like a worldly thing. I thought that was like outside of church thing. And now, man, I'm a new Christian and I'm going through a trial for the first of my life as a Christian. And here's the second question is, can I trust God? Because sometimes as a new Christian, like, we, we hit, and maybe if you're not a new Christian, maybe you, know, you know we have a lot of new Christians in the room. We love new Christians. We celebrate new Christians. We'll talk about that more. We're going to talk about baptisms a little later. It's on today. But, man, um, we just, I love just getting to talk and interact with new Christians. It's so exciting for me. And, the, the, and after a few months, it's like, man, can I trust God? And if you're a seasoned Christian, this is the question you ask all the time because it's daily, every day, can I trust God? And here's, like, do I really, really have faith in God? Is God going to do what I think he said he's going to do? Did I hear from him clearly? Is he going to come through? Is he going to disappoint me? Is he going to let me down? Is he going to fail me? Um, uh, to quote one of the songs, like, he hasn't failed me yet. But that yet is real real for a lot of us. Because <laughs> we're waiting for the day. We don't know, right? But, here, but can I trust God? But here's what going through the fire, being refined like gold, um, here's what this does. Is it results in praise and glory and honor of Jesus? As we think through our lives and our happiness, right, and knowing that Jesus, it's like circular, because Jesus is like the root of our happiness and our joy and our satisfaction and our contentment. Jesus is at, like at the root of that. And then we got to go through some stuff, because as we go through some stuff, we're being refined like gold in the fire. And as that process is happening, here's what we do it's, it results. To God be the glory. It results in praise. It results in honor of Jesus. Our faith is in Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. And our love is for Jesus. Right? And here's, can I, my biggest fear for me, my biggest fear for you, is that we just do the Christian life going through the motions. There's, it's easy. It's cozy. We have enough resources to where we never have to go through a trial because we can just buy ourselves out of it. We encounter a problem. We can just like resource ourselves and we have a good enough network and enough money in the the savings account and we can just live our lives without ever having to experience any trials, never having experienced any grief. That's my, and just going to, showing up on a Tuesday night, going on a Sunday morning, going to life group, serving. We're just living our life completely absent of honor and glory and praise to Jesus. And I don't want that for me and I don't want that for you. I want you at the absolute center of your heart is this deep joy conviction. That way things, you know, the, the, the muck, the garbage, the things that we have to process and deal with on the daily, on the regular, it can kind of live there. But man, at the absolute root of who we are as Christians, as human beings created by God, made in the image of God, is this deep joy that's unrelenting. And we can experience anxiety on top of that. We can experience anger on top of that. We can experience sadness on top of that. But man, deep down, it is unmovable, unshaken, rejoicing joy in Jesus Christ. Come on. So how do we respond? How do we respond to this? There's only there's a few different ways, but I love what the text says. Here's how we can respond. We sing, and we pray. That's the natural response to living a life that's honoring and glorifying and praising and exalting of Jesus. We sing and we pray. Okay, why do we sing? Because right, I know I even saw some of your faces. i like, oh, no, I don't like singing. Uh, can I be honest? Um, singing sometimes is hard for me because <laughs> I, like, I like theology. I like words. I like um, just ideas, and I'm like, singing? Oh, my gosh. Like I have to get in a room and sing with people? Oh, Here, here's why we sing. Singing has this like uh, peculiar power to awaken and express strong affections. Some of us hate singing, right? And if that's you, I thank you for being honest with your starting point. Here's how I want to challenge you: is that as Christians, we are a people that sing, and even even our band. You're going to see our band. We ask them to come up in front of everybody because here's we're going to respond. We want to sing together. Because as we sing together, here's what singing does. It stirs our affections, and it reminds us of the glory and honor and praise of Jesus. It reminds us that Jesus is the absolute root of who we are and what we do, right? And for me, some of the most, even though I have my own, at times, qualms with singing, I don't always feel like it, but here's what this does. Some of my most joyful moments, the most times that I could rejoice the most deeply in my faith, have been when I've been singing, like, like, actually, and I know some of you are like, you've heard the person singing next to you, and you're like, please don't do that again, right? <laughs> um, you know, some. <laughs> um, I have a, a joke with someone, and um, they're like, man, they're really singing from their heart because their voice doesn't sound good. <laughs> but they're singing from their heart. And that, that's what singing is, regardless however your, vo- your vocal, the musical term is timbre. Uh, timbre means uh, tone quality, right? How, wherever your varying levels of tone quality are in the room. But some of the most joyful moments in my life are when I'm um, singing from my heart, I don't think I have the best voice, but singing from my heart, um, and both like all together. So I'm like in a setting like this where we can just sing together and just sing praises to Jesus together. And some of the, I think of like the best, like some of the most pivotal moments of my faith I've been in a room just singing with people. And this is what we get to do every Tuesday. Can I shout out Cole? Where's Cole? Cole. Can y'all give it up for Cole? Okay, so we have... We, and we have our incredible band that's here as well. And we have a lot of the same players every week. And the band is absolutely incredible. But I just want to give a special shout out to Cole. Because what Cole does every single week is he un- fully understands this principle. And he fully knows why we sing. And although he's not singing, he works so hard behind the scenes to create a, just a conducive singing environment. So and does such an incredible job. So that's why I'm so blessed every single Tuesday. and I'm so grateful even for the vocal team that we have today, Anna, Julia, Harrison, um, Abby, um, Abby, sorry, Ali, Abby, Ali, Abby, there we go. Okay, so this the vocal team that we have today and the band that we have as well, that we have most weeks. Like, I just love just the singing that we get to do and them leading us each and every week together. I just, it fills my heart. And I love, y'all, we are, I don't know if y'all know this, we are so privileged to be able to have the musical worship team that we do, I don't know if you guys know this, right? And we're like incredibly. <laughs> cool. And I think just, and it's not just here at the table. Like we're part of, we're a ministry of First Orlando. Just First Orlando, God has just put a special anointing for music on First Orlando. So almost every single environment at First Orlando, student ministry on Sunday morning, um, Spanish ministry, Portuguese, like all of our services, like we are just so gifted. We're talking about this earlier in the meeting too. We just, there's an abundance of resources and giftings when it comes to music. And I'm just so grateful that for you and for me as well, I'm just so spoiled because I have to prep a message every week, but I just get to sit and listen when it comes to the singing. Um, So I'm just so, anyway, so some of them have been all together, but some of them have been like in a smaller group setting where there's just a group of people, and maybe you've experienced this. You're on a campfire, somebody gets the guitar, right? And if you're like me, you're like, oh, and I leave? (laughs) But then I'm like, okay, and then I walk back, and it's actually a really cool moment with friends or with a group that I've been in where we can just sing together, like in a living room, Um, as well as by myself. No one's there. It's just me. Nobody even knows what's happening. I'm just there, I play a song on, on Spotify and I have like my musical worship playlist. Um, I have my 2020 playlist. And then I was like, okay, those songs are old now. I need to update it to 2022. So I have my 2022 playlist. Um, but then I realized, man, I missed those 2020 songs. So this week I went back to my 2020 playlist. I was like, man, those are some bangers. Like those are really good songs. Just to be able to sing together. And actually we're gonna get to experience this in a couple weeks because um, I'll say this more again later, um, but we're, we're off next week. But two weeks from now, we're gonna have a night of singing. Framed another way, uh, a night of musical worship. Said another way, we're having a night of worship. And in this night of worship, it's basically just an entire night where we just get to sing praises to Jesus, right? And we're doing that to help stir our affections. And I think that if you've been to one of them before, they are absolutely incredible. I've actually, funny enough, I've actually never been to one. Like I've had like out of town or I was having a baby um, during like where my wife's having a baby um, during them. So I've actually have. I've actually never, never been to one before, so I'm so excited um, that I get to kind of be in this kind of fresh uh, night of worship. I'm really excited about that. Okay. in um, praying. See, because our prayers typically are, God, please take this trial away from me. Are they not? God, can you remove this from me? Can you take this trial away from me? Um, you know, and then, you know, and I think there's some merit to that because we even read through the Psalms and David is like, God, can you absolutely destroy and smite my enemy? God, God, can you just like destroy and take this person away and like murder them for me? I think David basically like, basically, I mean, kind of, kind of phrase that, right? So I think there's some mirror, here, but here's how I think a more powerful prayer for you this week would be. Hey, God, can you purify my faith in this trial? Hey, God, can you help me rejoice in this trial? Hey, God, can you help me find contentment in what I'm going through right now? Like, I don't really see how there's any sort of redeeming value from what I'm going through right now, but God, can you just help me see how... Um, how you can work on me and my character and my faith and my rejoicing God and my um, just praising and honoring of you in this situation singing and praying is a natural response to experiencing happiness now even though we may be in a trial and every Tuesday we just get to celebrate who Jesus is what he did for us right and my hope and my prayer is that we are a people that are like annoyingly joyful you know those people annoyingly joyful Just like, and but like not, but like sometimes they're faking it and like they're masking up like other like deeper issues going on. Not that, not that. I'm talking about like this like deep, steadfast rootedness in joy that comes out and just being so life-giving, even though you're going through a trial, just so life-giving to the people that you're interacting with. And that's the life that we live right? And I think that if we live our life in that way, it is impossible for other young adults in Orlando that aren't here, that don't have the hope in Jesus that we have. It's impossible for them not to take notice of your life because of this deep-rooted um, uh, joy and rejoicing and happiness and satisfaction and contentment in Jesus that we get to experience. So, and they see, you know, we only see you. We see you guys once a week maybe, once a week here. The people in your other parts of your life, in your real life to some extent, they see you on the daily. They know what's going on. And for them to see a rootedness in who Jesus is in your life and rejoicing in that, it's absolutely infectious. And here's what they're thinking. I, they won't tell you this, especially if they're cool. They're not going to tell you this, but here's what they're thinking. I want what they have. And here's what we get to do is we get to share of what we have and our hope in Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. So we're about to sing in one of the songs, I can't think, one of my favorite songs It's on my Worship 2020 playlist. Haha. <laughs> um, uh, ha. One of them is uh, No Other Name. And in this song, it talks about that there is no other name other than Jesus. There is no other name that's above every name. And so we're just going to sing that together. We're also, so we're going to sing, but we're also going to pray at the same time. So man, if you have trials you are going through right now, that would be a perfect time to, as we're singing, just take time to pray. And not that God, and for the prayer right now, for the prayer tonight is not that God will take your trial away. It's that God will mold and shape your faith in this trial as well as we're going to have a team down front. So, man, if you just, re- some trial stuff you're going through, we're going to have a team that's in front down here. And if you just want to come and just pray with somebody and pray with and to have somebody journey with you and pray in your trial, we're going to have that as well. So if you can't just stand with me, um, and we're going to sing and we're going to pray um, as, the re- as we respond. We're going to have the prayer team come down front as well. God, we love you. God, we thank you. God, we're so grateful for you, God, and who you are and what you've done for us, Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, there is no name that's above any name other than Jesus Christ. God, and we're so grateful you sent your son, Jesus, to die for us, to live for us, to resurrect for us, to give us hope, to give us life, God. And I'm praying just for my friends here in Orlando that are in this room. They will not leave here tonight without encountering you tonight. God, whatever reason they came here, whatever reason you brought them here, God, it is not by accident. In the name of Jesus, God, I'm praying that they can experience your love in such a fresh way that they've never experienced before tonight. God and I'm so grateful for the privilege of just getting to be part of what's going on here on Tuesdays. I'm so grateful for our team, for our leaders, for our hosts. For God, for every for everyone that goes in, for our production team, for our band, for our setup team. God, every, for the people that just show up, for the people that are setting out drinks, and I, God, every, the people that the EMS team that's setting out chairs. God, for us. God, I'm so grateful for everything that goes into a Tuesday night. Why not to do things just to make things happen, God? But for Your glory and for Your glory alone. we can see and savor and experience who you are. In the name of Jesus, amen.